So if you're here last week, we heard from Alan Hood. He was our guest speaker. He was amazing. He also was like, you know, for some of us, was like, man, it was like a fire hose. It was like pretty intense. But I really want to say that during this season of transition, we're going to have various guest speakers, various times in ministry. We're going to have different things that we're doing. We're, we're, we're part of a bigger body than just, just our little church right here. We're, we're part of the body of Christ. And so Alan had connections here. I've known him for 15 years. He preached. It was an amazing sermon. Really, at the heart of the sermon, the heart of the message, if you haven't heard it, was just that we are called to be people of prayer. And prayer is powerful. We, we enter in the throne room of God where there's a, where there's a, a, a true place of authority that, that he gives us, that God gives us as sons and daughters to enter in that place of prayer. And that was Alan's message in a nutshell. If you want to listen to it, I recommend going back and listening to it. It was, it was amazing. Um, let me pray for us. We're still in the series, believe it or not, and God speaking, but let me pray for us as we get started. Father, we just invite you to come right now, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the worship time. Thank you for the beauty of the simple gospel that we believe, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is profound and simple at the same time. We thank you, Lord, that we believe that gospel, that you call broken people to your love. I thank you, Lord, that you want to speak this morning. I pray you just come, Holy Spirit, and speak through me and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've been on this series. It's kind of been a little bit choppy, I admit. We, we had one talk and then baptisms and one talk and then Easter Sunday, then one talk and then Alan Hood. So it's been a little choppy, but we're still in this God Speaks series. And we have about three more weeks left. We'll be doing this, this theme. And the hope, the desire, the, the prayer that we have is that, is that us as a church, we as a church, would not shy away from the practice of listening to God individually and corporately. That God speaks to every single person who has his spirit inside of them. And so the Lord wants to use you to bless your city group, to bless your neighbors, to bless your friends, but he also wants to speak to you individually so you can hear his voice. And so the hope of this whole series is that we would cultivate hunger and a, and a realistic desire that you can hear God's voice for yourself and you can hear his plan for your life, hear his desires for your life, hear his, his heart for you, and that you would walk that out. That's, that's really been the, the heart of it. I want to define a few terms before we get started here, because we use words that I, we think we take for granted. We use words like revelation, or we use words like prophecy. And sometimes those, those are confusing for folks who didn't come from those backgrounds. Revelation is not the book of Revelation. It's just God revealing something. It's God showing us something, revealing us something. It's revelation, him revealing something about himself to us, something about ourselves to us. Prophecy is not just future telling, but it's also God speaking to you about what he's doing presently. So when someone gets a prophetic word, it could be about something for your future, but it could also be something that is simply God is doing right now in this moment. He's doing something in this church or in this city or in this nation. He's doing something. It's a prophetic word. Now let me read a few quotes from folks that I respect and have been reading for this, this whole series. This first one's from Bob Gall. It says this, The end purpose of all true prophetic revelation is to build up, to admonish, and to encourage the people of God. Anything that is not directed to this end is not true prophecy. Sean Boltz, amazing modern-day prophet, I would say, he says this, The goal, this is the goal of prophecy, to connect people to the empowering nature of God so they can become like him and display his marvelous nature to all the earth. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, 
but one who prophesies, again, this is someone who speaks the truth, whether it's future stuff or present stuff that God is doing, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. The purpose of God speaking through people or God speaking to you is for your strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And so if you leave a situation and someone just prophesied over you and you feel not strengthened and not encouraged and not comforted, it probably wasn't the Lord. It probably was stuff that was coming out of their own heart, their own background, their own brokenness, their own convictions. They were saying, and it wasn't the Lord probably. probably. It was, it was just them saying things. I'll get to that in just a second. A word of knowledge, another, another sort of term that we use, a word of knowledge is a revelation, a revealing about a person's life that brings them closer to God. It could be a many, many things. A word of knowledge could be you getting a picture, you getting, you getting a scripture, you getting an impression, you getting a word. It could be something very simple. When Jesus was, was with the woman at the well, he said, I see that you've had, the, the, the man you're with now is not your husband, you had, you had five husbands. And he wasn't condemning her, it was a word of knowledge. It cut right through all the smokescreen, all the stuff, it cut right through to her own heart, to where she was in her life, to expose the need that she had for Jesus and the love he had for her. Words of knowledge are powerful because they cut through all the junk that someone has on the outside and they cut through and they, and they pierce the heart with a specific truth that is unique to that person. And they can be some weird, they can be kind of weird, honestly. They can be just things that seem out of the ordinary. Years ago when I was just kind of learning how to do and listen to God's voice, we were at a conference, and a bunch of, a bunch of guys went, after, went out after the conference, and we went to a restaurant, and we, and we said, let's, let's practice this on the, on the waitress, of course. You know, let's practice this. So we'll, we prayed for the waitress kind of privately, and we asked God to give us something for, for her. She was nice. We're talking to her and, and whatever. So we, one of the guys just got this picture, and it was just this odd thing. It was like you got a picture of a stuffed animal, and, and we'll get to it in a second. Get to it. A stuffed animal, and he's like, this, should I share this? And we're like, well... Let's go ahead and share it. Let's take a step out and, and just risk. She comes back, and, she, and we say to her, hey, um, we are um, Christians, and we, sometimes we ask God to give us his voice for people because he loves you. He wants you to know that. So my friend, whatever, John, will say, John had this picture, and this is what it was. He said, I saw this picture of a bed, and I saw this picture of a stuffed animal with his long arms. It was, this, it was like a monkey, and it was hanging above this bed, and it was suspended above the bed, and, and that's all I saw. And her face just goes white. And she says, you know, that was, that's actually real. That was the stuffed animal that my grandma gave me when I was a little boy, a little girl. And I had it my entire life, and she just died two days ago. She died two days ago. She told me about Jesus her whole life, and I never really believed. But, but hearing that word was so profound, it opened up this whole conversation to her. A stuffed animal, you guys. A monkey hanging above a bed. It sounded, it sounded crazy. But God, God wants to speak because he loves broken people. We could have spent two hours telling her all the story of the gospel and all, this, all it was, was it was a monkey. She needed, to hear about, she, she needed to hear not just the word, but the, not a word, but the word from the Lord. It was, a, it was a word of knowledge. It was beautiful. And then finally, words of wisdom, another category. It's divine insight God may give someone into a certain scenario, a situation, to solve a problem. King Solomon had many words of wisdom. One time he had a, the story goes, they brought a baby before him, and they said, these two women are fighting about whose baby this is. And he said, well, 
The only way to find out is, let, let, why don't we just cut the baby in half? And you take half the baby, you take half the baby. And the, and the real mom's like, no, 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 no. She's the real mom. And he realized that's the real mom by doing that simple, whatever, simple story. But that's a word of wisdom. He knew what to do in that, in that situ- situation. Now, I wanted to make a distinction. There are prophets in today's world, people that God has given the gift of prophecy. All of us can hear God's voice. Every single person who is a Christian who has God's spirit inside of them can hear God's voice. But God does appoint people with gifts and callings. I believe there are prophets. I believe there are prophets that speak things that are futuristic, that are real for today. I was at a conference many years ago, and the guy stood up, who was a prophet, I'm not going to say his name. He stood up and he said, I saw a picture in a dream a month ago. I saw a, a basketball stadium, a basketball court above the Supreme Court. And I saw two chairs facing each other. And I believe that in the next year, God is going to appoint two new Supreme Court justices who are going to oppose each other. And that happened. And there actually is a basketball court above the Supreme Court. Did you know that? There actually is a basketball court above the Supreme Court that I made years ago, for whatever reason, for exercise. I don't know. For the justices to play basketball, I don't know. But it's there. And he didn't know that. But that was a prophetic word that was real. And it, it came to pass a year later. And it was, there was no implications. It was just a truth that he was saying. But the difference is between the Old Testament and the New Testament, something changed. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would fall on somebody, would basically possess them. They would speak things, oracles of God. If they were wrong, they were killed, right? That's what happened. If you were wrong, you basically were killed. In the New Testament, the Spirit is in every single believer. So if you're wrong, you're not killed. Because you're going to say things that may not be right. Because the Spirit is with every single one of us. And that's the difference. In the Old Testament, the, the Spirit would fall, and for a specific moment, a specific time, would share a specific thing. In the New Testament, it is different. God is speaking through every single believer, if we'll listen. That's, that's a huge difference, you guys. So let's look at the story of Acts, chapter one, chapter 21. This is a story of one of the first prophetic encounters after Jesus rose from the dead in the book of Acts. Chapter 21, verse 10 through 14. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, he took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. And he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But he said, Why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I'm not ready to only be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Let's stop there. There's this recognized guy who's a prophet named Agabus. He gives a prophetic word. He takes off Paul's belt and wraps his hands and his feet and says, this is what's going to happen to you. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested and taken taken, uh, prisoner for, for the gospel. There's three things that happen when, when something is revealed by God. There's three things that we need to recognize. There's three parts, in a sense. There's revelation, there's interpretation, and there's application. Revelation, interpretation, application. The picture of the monkey was the revelation, right? That was just simple revelation. Had we tried to interpret it, we would have been saying something that God was not saying. We, we, we could have tried to make up something like, this is like childlike faith, and God wants you to be... All we saw was just the picture of the monkey... And what happened in this story with Agabus is they went from revelation to interpretation. The interpretation was 
that if you go to Jerusalem, you'll be arrested, Paul. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll be arrested. That was a correct interpretation. And they went from that place to application. They said, therefore, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go to Jerusalem because you'll be arrested and taken prisoner. There's the problem. God was not revealing the application. He'd already already told Paul, you're going to go and be my witness in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And they were trying to prevent Paul from going, but Paul knew it wasn't God's will. They were actually wrong. They heard God correctly. They saw the picture of the belt in the hands. Agabus saw it, and they interpreted it correctly, but they applied it incorrectly. Men often do this. We want to give you application. We want to solve the problem. We want to say what you should or shouldn't do. We, we want to go to the next step. Sometimes God is not revealing that. Sometimes God just gives you the picture or the word or the scripture without interpretation. Sometimes he gives you two of the three. Sometimes he gives you all three. But the point is, in this story, they went too far. And Paul says, I'm going. I don't care. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. And I don't care. I'm going to suffer for Jesus. Imagine, just so you know, imagine had he, had he not gone to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem. He's arrested. He appeals to Caesar. He goes to Rome. And he writes one-fourth of his letters in prison in Rome. One-fourth of his letters would not have been written. He goes there. He basically plants the church in Rome. And for three years, he's on house arrest, and people come and visit him every single day, and he's ministering to them for three years. What would have happened to the church had Paul not gone to Jerusalem and been arrested? Had he listened to the incorrect application? Now, going back, my, my, my first point was we see in part, Agabus was actually wrong. His prophetic word was wrong. Let's read the the rest of it here. Verse 30. The whole city was rocked by these accusations. A great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple. And immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander, the Roman commander, arrested him and ordered him bound with with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Agabus said, the Jews are going to arrest you and bind you. you." The actual reality was the Roman commander arrested Paul and bound Paul. So he was wrong. They didn't stone him. They didn't kill him. He was generally right. Paul was going to be arrested for his faith in Jerusalem. That happened. But he was wrong about the specifics. Old Testament, New Testament. There's a difference. There's a difference. We see in part and we prophesy in part. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Sometimes we get it, we get it wrong. Sometimes we we step out and we risk and we speak what we're hearing, we say what we're seeing, and we get it partially right. That's okay. This church believes that we have to create a culture of of risk to some extent. We have to create a culture that you can receive from the Lord. And sometimes you'll hear things that are a little bit off. I want to say a word about that. I have seen abuses of this, not necessarily in our church, but I have seen people be dramatically wounded from words that are prophetic that have been completely wrong. I was at a conference years ago. My friend was leading it. And there was a woman in the audience I knew her very well. We were, we were close friends with them. She'd had three miscarriages. She was pregnant with twins. And we were, we were all good friends. And my, and my friend says to her, your babies are going to live. God has said, God has said, your babies are going to live. 
And he begins to prophesy, and he says, thus, they basically, thus saith the Lord. He didn't use that term, but that's basically what he was saying. Whenever you attach that little phrase, God said this, you better be sure that he did. Obviously, in his heart, in all of our hearts, we wanted the babies to live. Obviously. But when you say, God said the baby's going to live, you better be sure. And they died a week later. And she left the church. She was devastated, confused, broken, because this leader stood up and said, they're going to live. And he should have publicly repented and apologized. He should have said, I was wrong. I was speaking out of my own heart. And we've done that. That's why we don't do words about marriage or pregnancies or those things like that because, because you could be wrong and you could be wounding someone. In your good intention, you could be wounding someone. So we don't do those kind of words. You know, we don't, we don't say those words like, you're going to get, I'm so sorry, you're still single. You know, oh my gosh. God is good and he wants you to get married. Whatever. We don't do that stuff. We just, we just, we want to be safe. And we don't want to create a, a culture of being sort of terrified of getting a word because they may say something that, that's, that's so wounding. I've seen that. I have been personally shocked. Same situation, my old, my old church. I was down there just receiving prayer, and this woman walked up to me, and she's like, you've got a serious problem with your pancreas, and I'm going to pray for it. I'm like, what's a pancreas? <laughs> and so she prays for my pancreas, and I'm thinking, crap, I better go get this looked at this week. I didn't even know I had a pancreas. And I got a problem with it, and I mean, I'm already hypochondriac as it is. I'm like, I need a transplant. <laughs> Doctor, this woman said, I got a pancreas problem. Where can I get a new one? But, but she was wrong. My pancreas was fine. Maybe she healed me. I don't, maybe, I don't know, but I got it checked out. <laughs> I was fine. I got a second opinion. No, that was fine. Third opinion, no. But I'm just saying, that word was terrifying. It didn't produce strength or comfort. It didn't do any of those things. It produced terror in me. And we have to be very careful with that. We don't go up to someone and say, I see you have cancer. I mean, if they don't know that, if it's a common thing or something, you're praying for someone with cancer because everyone knows they have cancer. But if it's just a person you don't even know, you don't walk up and say, I can tell you're, you're, you look very ill. It's not hard to see brokenness in people. It's not hard to sense darkness. Everyone's broken. Everyone has darkness. That's not hard to see. Here's what, here's what um, Sean Bolt says. We aren't called to discern evil. We're called to discern God's heart. That means something, sometimes we see things that are evil so we can see what God wants to do about it. All negative prophecy should have a redemptive purpose or it's not aligned with the nature of God. It's not hard to go up to someone and say, I can tell you're broken. I mean, we're all broken, dude. So we, when we sense those things, you know, there are times where God does give, this word from Agabus was negative. It was. Paul, you're going to be bound and you're going to go to jail. That was a negative word, wasn't it? That was, but Paul took it as affirmation. Yes, I'm going to suffer for the glory of God. It's totally fine, guys. Stop crying. Why are you crying? I'm going to go and I'm going to do great things for the Lord. If I die, so be it. I'll be with Jesus. If I live, so be it. It's for the gospel. So we want to create an environment here where you can step out and risk. And when we're wrong, when, when you're hurt, we should know about that. We should hear about that and say, okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. Because there is a risk in listening. It'd be very easy, and most churches do this. It'd be very easy just to say, you come down in front for prayer. We go, what do you want prayer for? Oh, okay, a broken leg. That's, that seems natural. Let's pray for that. Okay, your marriage. And we pray for that. No listening to God. Just pray for what's logical. 
But here's what is behind this. What you want prayer for may not be what you need prayer for. What you want from God may not be what you need from God. And so we wait and we listen first. Of course, we'll pray for your broken leg, you've got a broken leg. But the point is, we're going to listen first. Because what you need to hear may be more important than what you want. Because how many times have you come down front and you've come down front for some reason and you hear something totally out of the, out of the blue and it wrecks you in a good way? It's like, that was exactly what I needed to hear. God just showed up and spoke to me and profoundly touched my heart. I didn't expect that. I was going down front for some other thing and I got touched in a different way because we listen first. That's what this whole thing is about is that God wants to pierce through what you think you want, what you think you, whatever. And he wants to pierce through that and actually speak to the issues of our heart, to to the issues of our life. So if you get a negative word, if you get negative words, if you feel like there's something really dramatic, come and tell me or Alan or Martha. I have seen... Seriously negative things in, 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 in the past. In a mission trip, I, we were praying for this guy who was a recovering heroin addict, and my friend and I both saw a knife, and we saw blood on the floor. I didn't say it. because we were, One of the rules was you don't say negative words, so we didn't say anything. We told the leader afterward, we said, hey, we got this, this word. It looked pretty dark. Can you please talk to him about it see how he's doing? And he didn't. A year later, we came back. He'd committed suicide. God was trying through that word to waken us up, to warn him, to bring comfort to him, to bring healing to him, and, and it wasn't followed. So God will give things that, but I would, you would never share that with someone. Dude, I see a knife and blood all over you, man. Just how are you doing today? We're not going to do that here. We're going to be a church that listens first. That listens first. I would love if we would practice this. I would love if we just not leave here and just go, that was a great talk, Brian. He, so he's so good, good at speaking, and he's a good-looking good guy, too. You know, it's easy, easy on the eyes. Spray on tan, all that stuff. You know, whatever. I would actually love if we actually went and did this in your city groups, in your families. I would love if you actually went home and said, this week I'm going to do this with my kids, six-year-old, four-year-old, Jonah and Asher. We do this. Once a week, we'll just, it's called Jesus Pictures. We sit and we just ask the Holy Spirit to come for as long as we can before Asher goes crazy. We are, we're quiet and we wait. And God speaks to my boys. God speaks to them. It's crazy. The things that Jonah sees, he's, he's six years old, been doing it for two years now. He'll get stuff that is so beautiful about the Lord. He'll get things that oftentimes will be exactly what Shannon and I already saw that we didn't tell him. We, we wait for them to, to share first. So one time he saw a picture of, he said, Daddy, I see this picture of a bulldozer, and it's lifting people off the ground. They're, they're all like, they're flattened, and they're, they're wounded or crushed or something, and, he, and, they're, he's in the, and it's lifting them up off the ground. Well, what I had seen was a steamroller rolling over people and crushing them. And he saw the bulldozer. He's like, I think it's the Lord lifting people up out of the brokenness. Like, that's what it is, son. Kids get this more than we do because we have unbelief and skepticism and fear and all that stuff that operates. They just do it. Try it with your kids. Try it with your your spouse. Just be quiet and ask the Spirit to speak. Just be quiet. Just close your eyes. Put on some soaking music if you want. But just be quiet. Settle your hearts and ask the Spirit to speak to you. He wants to speak. He is speaking if we'll listen. This is so important, you guys. It's so important that we become people who can hear. We live in a world where 
People don't need just answers. They need the answer. They need, they need the word individually, specifically for where they are. You could have crusades and campaigns and all kinds of flashy stuff, but what people need is an encounter with the living God. The living God. He's alive. If he's alive, he still speaks. One word from the living God can change the course of your life. It can change the course of your life. One word that pierces through. Sean Bolt tells a story about how he was talking to this woman who's a prostitute on the streets. And he just listens and he says, Lord, what do you want to say to her? And he says, have you ever wanted to be a cook? And she's like, been a prostitute for years. And he, and he says, she says, I, I don't know. I, I, I always have thought about cooking. And, she, and, he, and he says, I think the Lord wants you to pursue cooking. Do you have any cooks in your family? He goes, my uncle owns like seven restaurants. Why don't you call your uncle this week and ask him to, to get, a, get, a, get a, for a job? Just as a line cook or something like that. And she goes, okay. And he, and he, he follows up with her and, and, he, and she's called the cook. She called, the, called her uncle. And two years later, she's running a whole restaurant. See, prophetic words look for truth beyond what's on the exterior. Chris Valton says the best. He says, true prophetic ministry looks for the gold in the midst of the dirt of someone's life. You look at someone and you see the coldness and the hardness and you see all the stuff that goes through your mind, all the natural stuff that you can think about someone by the way they look or the way they act, their demeanor. But true prophetic ministry looks for the gold beyond that rusty circumstance. It goes beyond that to the heart of someone. I mean, Tim with the teenagers does this every day. I mean, he has to. He has to look beyond and go, this kid is going to be a leader in Jesus' name, please. Like, I'm going crazy right now with some of these. But, but like, I'm looking beyond this middle school's circumstance. I'm looking beyond their, their disruptiveness. I'm looking beyond that because this kid is a diamond in God's eyes. He's precious. She's precious. They have a destiny. They have value and dignity and worth. And I look beyond the rusty exterior and all the rebellion and all the fear and all the anger. I look beyond all that stuff and I say, this is who you really are. This is who you really are. That's what prophetic ministry is all about. It's saying this is who you really are. It goes beyond the, the facts and the feelings. It's the truth of God for you in this moment. And if you've been wounded by it, many of us have, ask God again for another chance. Receive his love. Come down front today for healing and for prayer. Don't give up because you've, you've been hurt. You've been disillusioned. You've been confused. My heart this morning, we were, as we were praying, I just felt that. I know there are people that have said, I've given this a chance and I'm not doing it again. Like I've heard some weird stuff, maybe here or maybe a different church. I've heard some weird stuff. People, people have done weird things. They blew, they blew on me, you know, or they did this to me. And it was weird. Or they cried, they cried, and they cried. I'm like, let's, let's take away the weirdness, okay? Let's just press delete and say, God is a God of love. We're not perfect people, but our intention is to love you in this church. Our intention is to bring healing to you in this church. Our intention is good. And we have people who are broken themselves praying for you. But we want, we want to create an atmosphere, a culture of healing, of love, <clears throat> and restoration. So I would ask you this week, I would challenge you this week, in your own time with the Lord, ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me this week? 
in your city group, nominate someone who'll raise their hand, sit in the middle, and pray with that person. And then ask them, what was that like, Julie? Did that make, it, did that make sense? We had the, these pictures for you. We prayed for you. It's not hard. This should be happening in every single city group. Seriously. This should be happening in every group. Like, it's not hard. People need to hear something specific for them from the Lord in every group. And so it's not hard. Just pick the person who says, I, just, I want prayer for this. Okay, let's bring him in the middle. Let's pray for him. It's a safe environment. They can go, no, dude, you were so far wrong. That wasn't even closed, but I still love you. I still love you. It's the safest environment to do this stuff in city group. It really is. It really is. That's all Stan. <clears throat> I want to practice this now, actually. In this time in our church, we always have a time of ministry. You, you can come down front to receive prayer. But I want to just ask the Lord to speak individually to us where we are. And he's going to give some of you pictures, some of you scriptures, some of you impressions. But we're just going to ask God to speak by his Holy Spirit. And there's no magic. If you're a believer, the Spirit lives inside of you. And you can hear his voice. And you should hear his voice. Because he loves you. He loves to speak to you. Let's just be quiet. Pray this prayer real fast. Father, I pray you clear away all the deception, all the imaginations, Lord, that are not from you, all the stuff of our own minds, our own hearts. I pray right now you just remove it, suppress it, and clear it away, Father. And I pray we'd hear one voice, the voice of your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Be quiet our hearts, quiet our minds. We believe that you are the living God who speaks. So come now and speak. Let's just be still. Lord, your word is to strengthen, encourage, and bring comfort. I pray you do that right now, Lord. Strengthen us, encourage us, comfort us. Thank you, God, for speaking, Lord. Right now, we want to invite you to come down for prayer. If you would make your way down front, prayer ministers, please come down front first, if you would. This is a time for you to receive. Every week, we practice this. You simply come down front anywhere around the, the band here, and we'll just lay a hand on you and pray what we feel the Lord is saying. And... You should feel strengthened, encouraged, and comfort.